This is episode 544 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, The Only Things You Need to Know About Radio Prep. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 544. Hey, just real quick announcement. If you're interested in preparedness and you are in the Houston area and you do not attend a church this Saturday, this Saturday, this Sunday, April, starting April 7th, I am starting a series on the life of Joseph, and I would love for you to come and be a part of that if that is something that you are interested in. I'm going to have a link in the show notes to the church website, and uh, you can just click on it and get some more information there. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from askaprepper.com, and guys, this is going to be one on ham radio, but I've there's some things in here that I've never heard of before, and so if you're going to use ham radio um, and even some of the things I don't agree with and actually I'll talk about it in the comment you know there's some comments there but there's some other things as well that I just you know I, I didn't realize and I thought they were very interesting so uh, hopefully you will pay close attention to this one because I think this is an important one so let's go ahead and jump in again from askaprepper.com the only things you need to know about radio prep I became a ham and prepper about 20 years ago. I had always been interested in amateur radio, but the code held me back. In 1999, Wayne Green was on the Art Bell Show, and I found out that there was a no-code license. Now all U.S. licenses are no-code. So I joined the local radio club where my friend was the president. Within a year, I was an extra, the highest class of amateur radio operator, and also was fairly well prepared for a year or more FSHTF. In the last 20 years, I have been the president of two radio clubs, am an ARRLVE with 74 VE testing sessions to my credit, and helped design Logbook of the World. Throughout this time, I have been prepping and now live on a farm with our church retreat only a mile away. I have enough solar energy to power my house. So, getting a license. We have all heard that if SHTF, no one is going to care if you have a license or not. There are two problems with this. Number one, operating an amateur radio is a skill. And number two, hams won't talk to unlicensed operators. A ham radio has much more power than other public radio service. I have also heard that during an emergency, I won't need a license. There is no such exception to FCC Part 97. Some misquote paragraph 97.403 and 97.405 as justification, but 97.403 makes it clear that the exception is for the immediate safety of human life and immediate protection of property. I am sorry, but hams are very snobby about their licenses. If they suspect that you aren't licensed, they will dig until they find out. We have our ways. FCC license information is public. So this includes your address. So I recommend that you don't use your SHTF address as your mailing address for your license. 
Many hams, including me, have the full FCC database download. And call signs are in one of 10 call areas based upon where you live. Since call areas are fairly large, your call area isn't a dead giveaway of your location, but it won't hurt to have a vanity call within a different call area than where you live. Vanity calls are now free and aren't hard to get. Of course, anyone that has the FCC database will know close to where you are at. Now, there are three classes of license, technician, general, and extra. Techs have very limited HF privileges. General and extra have quite a bit more. What HF privileges techs have aren't really useful during SHTF. So if you want to talk more than a few miles without the aid of a repeater, then you need a general class license. So bands and uses, background for other important information. There are two main groups of ham bands, HF from zero to 30 megahertz and VUHF plus from 30 megahertz to microwave plus. I won't bore you with all the non-HF bands as there are many of them. For full details, see here, and there's a link there. So VUHF, and that's VHF and UHF, bands are mainly line of sight. So this includes the following. So guys, I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, these bands and megahertz and all of that. But the, the thing is, is that there is some information here as far as what might be useful if there was an SHTF situation, like which bands you might wanna to go to. So the first one here is six meters, 50 to 54 megahertz. This band is called the magic band as when conditions are right, its range is thousands of miles, but you can't depend on it. Number two, two meters, and that's 144 to 148 megahertz, just above the FM band or broadcast band and below the public service VHF band. This is the heavy lifting band of amateur radio. Most amateur traffic is on this band. Very few people reading this won't be within the range of a two meter repeater. A repeater is ham speak for a station that receives on one frequency and transmits on another frequency to extend the range to tens of hundreds of miles. However, don't count on repeaters being up after SHTF. Number three, 1.25 meters, and that's 222.0 to 225.0 megahertz. This isn't used much, and not a lot of radios and repeaters can transmit on this band. This would be a good band for near private comms. Number four, 70 centimeters. That's 420 to 450 megahertz. Note, there is as much bandwidth on this single band as there is in the entire HF section, not just ham HF. This is also close to FRM and GMRS. So HF going from the bottom to the top. Again, I am omitting some of the non-useful bands. So 160 to 40 meters will get longer during the night, which means it will skip over close stations and reach greater distances. 20 to 10 meters will skip or shut down at times. So number one, 160 meters, that's 1.8 to 2.0 megahertz in the regional area. It's just above the AM broadcast band. This is a hard band because it takes a very long antenna. Therefore, it isn't heavily used. It is mainly a nighttime band when it can reach thousands of miles if conditions are right and hundreds of miles during normal conditions. It is mainly used in winter when thunderstorms are at a minimum as the lightning causes interference called QRN in ham speak. 
Number two is the 80 meters or 3.5 to 4.0 megahertz, again, regional area. This is kind of a hard band, but there are lots of low cost wire antennas that will get the job done because the length that is required is only to have the 160 meter antenna. This is the ideal band for preppers to communicate for a few hundred miles because it is easy to bounce it off the sky. Now more on that later. Number three, 40 meters, 7.0 to 7.3 megahertz, again, regional area. This is another good band for preppers. It's mainly a nighttime band, but it is usable during daytime for shorter distances. All right, so this next one, there's just a whole lot here. So 20 is 14.0 to 14.35 megahertz. 17 is 18.068 to 18.168. 15, 21.0 to 21.45. 12, 24.89 to 24.99 megahertz. And 10 meters is 28.0 to 29.7 megahertz. So I have lumped these bands together because they are similar in propagation, which is mainly daylight. 20 meters is the bread and butter band. It is open the longest and everyone flocks to it. 12 and 10 meters are really only open during maximum sunspot cycles. All right guys, so this next section is one of those that kind of just caught my attention. So radio transmissions are not anonymous. This is something most people don't think about. When you press that transmit button, you're sending up a flare for miles, maybe hundreds of miles, saying, here I am. Now, this is done with radio direction finding, or RDF, which hams call fox hunting, and they do it for sport. From the time the SHTF until people start to get hungry and gangs form, there will be a grace period when you can transmit without a lot of concern. However, at some point, the zombie gangs will learn to hunt foxes. It isn't hard to learn either. Since the gangs will be looking for low-hanging fruit, they will most likely hunt in this order. First, CBs. They are cheap and powerful. They are the prepper's go-to radio. Then number two, GRM, S, FRS, MERS, etc. Lots of FRSs, but limit range means they have to be close to hunt. GRMS has more power and therefore greater range and lots of overlapping channels. Third, public service. So VUHF, HAM, VHF. Fourth, HAM, UHF, 30 megahertz is a lot of bandwidth to scan through. And number five, HAM, HF is hard. So most scanners don't go below about 26 megahertz. So if you want to communicate with others, you will need to know how to take countermeasures to prevent being hunted. Most of these countermeasures only apply to HAM radios. None are foolproof. So here's some of the countermeasures for all, all radios, I guess. Keep the transmissions short, rotate frequencies, use code words for locations. Nighttime is safer, but that is relative. Set up a hiding crossband repeater as far away from your location as possible. This will extend your range, and if it goes down, then you know there are hunters in the area. And use stealth. Wire antennas are hard to see. Then for those using VUHF, and that was the VHF and the UHF together, avoid channelized radio services, and that's CB, FRS, GMR, GMRS, MERS, etc. CBs are the worst. Transmit and receive on different frequencies. Use amateur satellite with directional. Use odd frequencies and make up your own call signs when not communicating with hands. 
and then HF. The HF will be the last to be hunted because most of the signals that can be picked up will be too far away to raid. I don't think they will ever be hunted, but I am not going to bet my life on it. So use digital modes. PSK31 may be the best. Lots of signals sound like noise and it takes good equipment to pick out a DF individual. So use NVIS antennas for 80 to 40 meters. With NVIS, most of the signals go straight up and bounces down in all directions. All right, so the article kind of abruptly ends there. There's no like real closing section. And I got to admit, some of the things here, I guess if you're a ham operator, you're a radio operator, you just know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of us who are not, some of the things like, you know, PSK, NVIS, you know, like what the heck, what is that? And kind of dealing with the meters and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, getting a ham license is one of those things that I've always wanted to do. I just don't have the time to do it. So there was a couple of things here that I want to point out. And the first was, I already kind of mentioned it, is that, or the section that really got my attention is that the radio transmissions are not anonymous. So if you're sitting there and you're just kind of hammering away trying to talk to people and, you know, you really are in a grid down situation and people are looking for radio signals, then you're opening yourself up, right? And so if there are people out there and first you got to think about, okay, so the gangs, my first thought was, would a gang really have someone that they can, you know, that can track down people? But yeah, they're very resourceful, right? And there's a lot of smart people that eventually the gang would, would bring in. So if they had a ham operator, if they came across a ham operator and maybe they, it would be like, hey, either join join us, join our group or you and your whole family are going to die, right? And so, you know, you have that aspect of it. And so you can you can see how someone could quickly join that group and share with them this type of knowledge, right? And that would be that would be nuts, but and I know that I'm talking SHTF, but the the point is is that sometimes we think ham radios is you know that's going to be our last line of communication, but then you have this aspect that it could give you away. So there were some countermeasures that he talked about, and you could definitely use those. And maybe you don't even transmit. Maybe you have one of those radios just to be able to listen and see if there is information out there and you know kind of go from there but the other thing that kind of concerned me was the fact that every that there is a database with your address on there now of course you can give another address i guess i don't know if they allow you to give a p.o box maybe you give you know your i don't know somebody else's address maybe you give your work address i i don't know but that's kind of concerning to me that there is a big database out there that someone can download I mean, do you have to have, uh, you know, do you have to be a president of a radio club to be able to download that? Is it out there on the web somewhere where anybody can just download it and have the addresses and the information to everybody who has a ham radio license? I mean, that was one of the things that I was a little concerned about. And then, you know, I guess the other one was not as concerning, knowing that I guess the, you know, ham the ham radio space is divided up into 10 big areas, right? And so uh, that way there is, you know, it, I guess kind of like a, an area code, right? But there's only 10. And so it would only cover, you know, maybe a portion of region of the country, right? So you might say, 
I don't know. And like, again, I don't know what I'm saying, but maybe Texas is one one region, right? And so, uh, you know, at least they would know you're in Texas. Uh, Texas is very big. But still, that's something that identifies you. And if you're one of those people out there that you really care about what kind of information gets out there, you might have a problem with that. So there's uh, a lot of that. And then the other thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way on this one was, and believe me, I, I say, I think this article was great because it had some information and it gets you thinking, right? That's what we want. We want to have information that gets us to think and, uh, you know, things that we haven't heard before. And again, with all the, in all the years of Prepper website, I haven't necessarily come across an article like this, right? But the other thing was, you know, the ham operators are kind of snobbish. And so I know that there are ham radio operators that are listening, listening to this. And one of the things here in this article, though, was if you are on a ham radio and you don't use your call sign or whatever, we'll track you down. Now, when I went to the comment section and there are a lot of comments here. And so people, you know, took exception to that. Right. And so they had a real big problem with that. And I guess the difference would be. Is it, is it an SHTF scenario like, for instance, Harvey, right? Where Hurricane Harvey happened and you might be flooded and you decided to get on your ham radio and start, you know, transmitting out to people and stuff like that. And, but you still have your cell phone available and you still have, you know, the ability to communicate because people are coming around in boats and different things like that. So is it that type of SHTF? I don't consider that SHTF. I mean, it can be a personal SHTF, and definitely it was for a lot of people, right? So I'm not disparaging that. But compare that to, you know, a real uh, pandemic, right? Where everything starts shutting down or the grid goes down and everything starts shutting down. And it's truly, it truly is an SHTF situation, right? So those are two different scenarios there. So it could have been when this guy was writing the article, he was thinking about, you know, maybe like a regional SHTF or a temporary SHTF scenario, hurricanes, things like that, versus sometimes when when preppers start thinking about SHTF, they're thinking about the big ones, right? Like again, pandemic and, and those types of things. So it could be that. But like I said, in the comment section, people took exception to that and had some issues with it. So, uh, you know, they're, you know, they kind of went back and forth on that. So it's always interesting when you hear people talking about, you know, ham uh, operators and the way things work. And, you know, even in the comment sections, there's people that are giving their call signs and things like that, where you can hook up with them. But ultimately, there's some great information, right? I mean, I'm sure there are some things here that you probably did not know or didn't uh, unless you're a ham operator, you didn't realize that, you know, plays a part in all of this. Um, and so there you go. Uh, that's one reason why we're here is to help educate and to provide information. So like always, guys, I'm going to link to this article from askaprepper.com in the show notes. And you can go click on some of the links that are in here and get some more information. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 544. Hey, to subscribe to the show head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware.
Peace.